and welcome to the Hello Live podcast brought to you by the Hello Foundation. I'm your podcast host, Kelly Bodden, and I'm a speech language pathologist based in Portland, Oregon. You will receive 30 minutes of free CEUs for listening to this episode in its entirety. I'll give you instructions on how to document your participation at the end of the episode. I'll also tell you how to get in touch with any questions or comments you have for us. But for now, sit back and enjoy the show. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, encouraging language during mealtime and food preparation activities. Um, It's been one of um, the greatest activities that I found that I've been doing for many, many years since I started even with early intervention. I've done cooking with uh, older children, and most recently, I've done a lot of cooking activities with adults. And so... You know, why is, why is cooking a great activity for speech and language? And to me, it's fun. Um, it's sensory. So, you know, it kind of gets like for some of those, for some of those children, adults, they like to get their hands in there. And then for others who are a little more defensive, they might not be getting in there so much, but they could use different tools and stuff like that in the kitchen. Um, it also exposes them to different, um, textures and tastes. Um, it's motivating. I think for, at least for me, food is very motivating. (laughs) And for most people, I think, you know, children love, they love eating, they love food and adults also love it as well. And I think for adults, what could be great about cooking is that it helps them with their independence. And I think that a lot of adults don't know how to cook because they've never just been, they've never been taught. And so, you know, what I kind of do is I put a spin on cooking, um, and improving that independence and also working on language at the same time. And so they're able to take that skill and, you know, bring it into their home, be able to make their own sandwich, um, and learn language while doing it. Um, it's a hands-on activity. It's kind of a good way to kind of get away from the table and get into the kitchen or get into, um, another room where you could engage in some sort of cooking activity and it's very interactive. Um, I mean, even if you're having an individual session or whether you're having a group session, you know, it's a, it's a time where you're going to have natural conversation, um, natural commenting, and um, it's just overall an interactive activity. So, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to talk about just some basic goals, speech and language goals that you can work on when you're doing some cooking with a child or with a young adult. Um, but, uh, let me see. So, so one of the first things before actually, one of the things I want to say is that before you choose a recipe, you want to make sure to choose a recipe that is very, very easy. Um, even if it's something seems sort of easy, um, just make sure to, you know, look through it, even try it out before, look through the steps, because, you know, picking a recipe that's very complicated, you might get lost in the activity and lose some of the, uh, the speech and language that you really want to work on. So what I always say to people is that, you know, start with something as simple as even making hot chocolate or, you know, making like a simple instant pudding or, um, you know, let me be like a fruit infused water, which is something that, Um, I actually just wrote recent tips for that, um, I could share at the end. 
So, you know, just a couple of ingredients and you'd be surprised how many steps go into even the most simple recipe. So, um, so one of the things that one of the main goals to work on, it could be sequencing. So recipes naturally have steps to follow. So if you're working on sequencing with a child, you know, um, cooking and baking is a great activity to work on sequencing. And so a lot of times what I'll do is before I even start the recipe, I will, you know, we'll go through the steps together. And then I might even ask my, the person I'm working with and say, okay, so tell me what we're going to do. What are we going to do first? What are we going to do next? Um, and then see if they can recall the sequence. And then at the end of the recipe, I will have them, uh, write down the steps. And so sometimes they may miss a couple, but you kind of want a general order of, you know, making sure that the certain steps are done in the beginning and then baking it in the end or mixing or stirring or whatever you're doing. Um, so this could also be implemented with, there's a lot of apps out there. There's one called making sequences and can plan, which I've used, um, to help facilitate that sequencing. It's also included in that worksheet in one of those questions. So, um, this may be something you're going to come back to and you could, re- you know, you could even do as a follow-up session, talk about the sequencing. Okay. And then, you know, kind of just also getting into basic concepts of color and shape could be worked on during cooking. So if you're making, um, I don't know, I could think of something like a grilled cheese. You could talk about the cheese and what shape it is and what color it is and what it feels like. Um, and then you can talk about the bread. What color is the bread and how is it different from the cheese? Um, so that's, you know, even for like the littlest kids, I think, you know, an early intervention, I think it could be a great activity. You could really work on those concepts. Um, and some of the kids won't even know you're working on that. You're going to kind of just do this in a sort of indirect way during cooking. Uh, then another goal, which is also great to work on is literacy because recipes are usually just you know, they're not all, they're not pictures. They are words. A recipe is a great way to start working on some literacy activities. So what, sometimes what I'll do if somebody is not literate or if it's a young child, a very young child, I will, you know, I could use my program board maker. I could use, um, symbols with support app, which is from attainment. Um, and I can use that along with my, I could just type out my recipe with the symbols and we could use that. So as you go into the recipe, you know, if, if the child cannot read all the steps, sometimes rewriting the recipe and simplifying it to just a couple of words in each step, um, it would be, you know, another goal to work on, uh, expanding vocabulary, um, with cooking and baking and food preparation, there's always opportunity to learn more words. Um, and sometimes, you know, a lot of times these ingredients, they don't know the name of, or maybe you could, it's a great way to introduce new foods. So if you're making a fruit smoothie, um, going through all the different, um, all the different fruits and what is the name of these fruits? Um, and even kitchen tools, a lot of times children, adults with um, speech and language disorders, you know, it's hard for them to remember a word. Um, it's hard for them to recall. Um, it may just be that they don't just don't know the name of it. Um, it could be also a cultural thing that they, they culturally are not exposed to certain foods. 
So kind of bringing those foods in and of course, you know, just, I just, as a, before you do the cooking, you obviously want to make sure about any allergies or anything. Um, that's one of the things I always do before, which I should have mentioned in the beginning. Um, but it could be a great time to work on vocabulary. And a lot of times, a lot of like the adults I work with, they won't like know the name of like what a blender is and they won't know the name whisk and things like that. So it's, it's a good thing to go over those vocabulary words before, um, and then kind of bringing them up even, you know, afterwards, even in the worksheet and talk about what are those ingredients that we use? Do you remember the name? And then just giving some prompts and cues to see if they could remember, uh, visual cues as well is also great. Uh, following directions. Now this is something I think everyone could benefit from is following directions, one step, two step. So we're going to say, first, we're going to wash the fruit. Then we are going to cut the fruit. Um, so first wash and then cut. So this could be a great way to get somebody, um, to follow one step, two step, three step directions, um, without working on it in a, such a, in like a table tap activity or working on during cooking. Um, and they really have to follow directions to get the recipe correctly. Cause if, as we all know, we don't follow directions to the recipe, it doesn't always come out the way you want it to. And I've certainly made mistakes here and there, but, um, actually, you know, and sometimes when you do make a mistake, it is kind of a good thing because you learn from it and that could kind of get to the problem solving goal of what happens when we're missing an ingredient, what happens when we forget to add the eggs? Um, you know, what would happen to that? Um, this morning when I was cooking with my own baking with my own daughter, what happens if we put too much batter in one in the muffin pin and not enough batter in the other hole? You know, when you're talking about, um, the muffins, what would happen at the end? One would burn and one wouldn't bake enough. So they wouldn't get done at the same time. So following directions is a great goal to be worked on. And this is just something naturally you're going to do. Uh, categorization. So before even starting the actual cooking and, or baking or, you know, drink preparation that you're doing, I would lay down all your ingredients on the table and I would talk about the different categories. So if you're making, um, a pizza and you have your ready-made crust and you have your sauce and you have your cheese and you may have a, you know, a vegetable that you want to put on that pizza. So you're going to talk about, you know, what, food group is the cheese in the food group is, you know, dairy, you know, what food group is the, the tomato sauce, tomato sauce, where does that go? And the crust and what is the difference? So this is also just working on categories. Now, obviously before with the, you know, the person has to know what the food groups are. And if you go on my website, I have a lot of different resources for that, um, that you could, you know, teach a child or an adult, the different food groups, which is a whole other activity. Um, but even kind of maybe even having some sort of visual of the food groups with you when you're cooking, I think would be great. And so, um, this is just important as far as like, if somebody is minimally verbal and they're using augmented communication, they do need to learn categories. Um, and you know, they don't need to, but it, but it does help facilitate when you're using a communication system, if you're able to categorize or able to know, okay, if I want an apple, I need to go into my fruit page. So learning categories, learning these food groups is, you know, really helpful in a variety of ways for, um, for many different types of people. 
So, and then, you know, comparing and contrasting. So, you know, looking at two different ingredients, especially with like maybe even a vegetable, like cauliflower and broccoli and saying, hmm, what is the difference? You know, what, why, how are they different? You know, we'll talk about the different colors, you know, how do they, um, how are they similar? And, um, how do they taste? So, and how do they taste different? And so, you know, looking at two, you know, both vegetables, that's, they're both in the same food group, but they are different because of, we, as we all know, very different, um, tastes and different, different looks. Um, so that's another activity to, um, something else to work on when you're doing cooking, describing and commenting, which is something that we all do when we're cooking. Oh, this looks good. And, oh, well, this is too dry and I need to add more. Um, and for a child, I think for a child who's like a sensory seeking child, I think doing a hands-on like dough activity is great. Like one of the, a little girl I used to work with for many years, um, when she was about three, we used to make pretzels a lot. And so I used to make the, you know, I would come with the dough because we only had a half an hour, but what we would do is that we would roll out the dough we would make it into different shapes and then we would have to add the butter on top and the salt and then bake them. So this was a great time to comment, a great time to describe what does it still feel like? Um, do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, and you know, is it squishy? Is it wet? Is it dry? Um, it's just a sensory experience. And I think it's a natural thing to want to comment and describe when you're, when you're cooking and baking or, you know, preparing food or drinks. Um, even if you're making a hot chocolate and you don't add enough water, what does it look like? Um, you know, what's going on? What color is it? That kind of thing. So definitely a great thing to work on. Um, another, uh, another speech and language goal is, you know, actions. So when we're, when we're doing any of this preparation, you know, we're engaging in lots of actions, pouring, cutting, um, we're blending, we're mixing, we're pouring, we're baking, we're um, spreading, we're opening, we're doing all this types of stuff. And um, emphasizing those actions is, it could be an excellent um, way to work on that concept of verbs and actions. So sometimes if, you know, if the person's not, like if they need more help and more practice with actions, what I would do is also have some visuals to go along with it of different actions using board maker or using symbol sticks, using some form of, um, some sort of symbol maker or even just taking pictures. This is another thing I do is that I, I will take photos of that child doing, um, or that adult doing those different actions. And then what we could do is we could go back and we could use that for our sequencing activity. Um, and we could also say, what are you doing? And we could work on constructing sentences you know, I cut strawberries, um, and, or even for somebody, you know, making grammatically correct sentences, I am cutting the strawberries. So it's a great way to first for tons and tons of different goals. So the actions is definitely something to work on and modeling that language is definitely something, um, that's going to benefit them. Um, answering WH questions, which I, I include in that worksheet is, asking who questions, what questions, uh, why. So as you're preparing the food, not really bombarding them with questions, but, you know, just asking intermittently, like, oh, what are we baking today? And why are we adding this sugar to our recipe? You know, 
what's it going to do? Is it going to make it sweeter or salty? Um, so asking those questions, um, is also could help just facilitate a conversation. Uh, problem solving, which I had mentioned before, is, is just is another goal to work on because there is a lot of problem solving with recipes and ba- and any sort of cooking or baking um, activity because when you don't follow the recipe correctly, you know you have a lot of problems. So um, you know what I'm what a lot of times what I'll do is when I am cooking or for cooking something in the oven, I'll say, hmm. Well, what happens if we make the temperature too high? Like what's going to happen to our pizza or what happens if we, and this is also like the concept of time is also very hard for a lot of people. So like they'll put, they'll just put the pizza in the oven and they don't know how long they really, they don't have the experience with understanding like how long a pizza might take. So, um, without that prompt, without that help, they're not, they would leave it in for a really long time. So what we might do is just kind of say, hmm, well, if we leave it in too long, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do what? If we take it out before it's done, what's it going to taste like? Or what happens if we, you know, we had our pizza and we forgot the cheese? What are we going to do? What are we going to add to it? Um, and so those type, of, those type of things are just excellent. And it could kind of help also facilitate some conversations or even some humor. Like, oh, that would be really weird, which would be great commenting. So, uh, a lot of these cooking, just uh, so many, so many goals, uh, a turn taking, uh, when you, everyone, you know, when you're cooking, I think we've all had experiences where we're each going to take a turn mixing. We're each going to take a turn pouring, doing certain steps. So this is a great time to work on turn taking. If you have a group of children, if you have two children, um, and you know, you're doing a group session, this is a great time to say, okay, well, you're done. Who's next? And, you know, taking turns that way. So recalling information. So after you're done with, let's say, making a pizza, you could ask some questions. Hmm. How do we make that recipe? And how do we make that pizza? What do we use again? Um, this is just great for, you know, memory tasks, just remembering, just kind of recalling what the steps were, what the ingredients were. Um, so this, this is definitely another goal to work on, which kind of crosses into a lot of other goals. And then negation, which I think a lot of people forget is that kind of want to work on what don't you like about it? And, um, you know, that type of thing, like, what do you think we should not do? So if you're working on that negation concept with the child, this also might be a great activity to work on that. So, and you know, all these goals is, you know, when you're cooking, you're not just working on one goal, you're, you know, you're working on tons of different goals at the same time. And so, and having a great time doing it and you get something really fun at the end, something to eat where you could sit down and it kind of goes into my segue of mealtime you're sitting down together and you are either eating together or the children are eating and you are there to help facilitate. And so, you know, mealtime is just a great time for choice making. So making different requests about, you know, what they want to eat. And so, you know, if you're having a, let's say you made the pizza and now you're sitting down and they're saying, okay, what do you want? 
I want pizza. Okay, so how many slices of pizza? I want two slices of pizza. I want more. Um, I don't want that much, which is negation. Um, so requesting we already talked about opportunity for speech and for augmentative and alternative communication. Um, so, you know, you have to be able to communicate in some way what you want. Um, and so for, for, for all the speech pathologists out there for augmentative and alternative communication, for those who are nonverbal, minimally verbal, using some sort of aided communication, uh, meal time is an excellent time. If it's motivating to, request certain foods and, um, be able to comment and describe and just all the goals I talked about previously also goes for augmentative alternative communication. We just need that, those aid of, uh, communication, you know, we need those communication boards and those devices to go along with it. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about how commenting now, how does the, how does the pizza taste? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you like about it? Like, you know, sometimes you say, Oh, it tastes good. Well, good is not always, it's, it's a, it's a fine word, but it doesn't, it's not very descriptive. So what do you like about it? You know, you say it's good. Is it sweet? Is it salty? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it crunchy? Is it soft? Um, and so really trying to model those, those different comments and those different descriptors, because, you know, this could also help with overall communication. Now, if we someone likes a crispy pizza. Okay. Um, and you're modeling that, Oh, you like it because it's crispy. Um, and they agree. And the next time they have pizza, they might say, you know, I want my pizza really crispy. And they're able to communicate that. And because they know the word crispy and they understand that for themselves. Okay. And then an excellent time to read a book or do an activity. This is what I do. This is what my whole website is about. It's about learning during mealtime. Because the, the children are sitting there and they're eating and they're engaged, it's a great time to read a book, do an activity, um, and be able to talk about what's going on in that book. So it's, it kind of works for in, in just so many different ways. And then obviously with, with book reading, we have a whole slew of, uh, of different goals that we can work on. And mealtime is also a sensor experience like cooking because we're eating, we're, you know, we're smelling the food, we're tasting the food. Um, and you know, all these different sensor experiences are going on as we, as we are eating. And so if we have a meal that is, um, has a variety of different tastes and flavors and textures, it's even more ideal. So I actually see, um, I see someone where his whole like meal is, you know, very soft. I mean, every single food on his plate is very, very soft. So he does crave that crispiness and he will ask for chips and he will ask for, you know, something crispy because they do crave that texture. So just one of those things to kind of keep note of if they are on that kind of diet, if they are able to handle that texture. Um, and then just like mealtime was with the cooking, it's a great time for social and pragmatic interaction. So great time to have conversation. You could talk about your meals. You could talk about the recipe. Um, you could talk about the experience you had with the recipe. And so, so this is basically, you know, what I've put together for today. Um, but I did, so I did supply you with a worksheet that you could give to your students after you've done a recipe, you've done a cooking activity. Um, and 
you're able to kind of work on those goals afterwards. And this could even kind of go into two or three sessions where you could have one session of just looking at the recipe and talking about it the second time you're doing the recipe. And then the third time you're doing the worksheet, it's a great way to kind of recall information from the previous time. Um, and one of those things I also like to include on those worksheets is an opportunity for someone to be able to draw that experience because I think it could tell a lot when somebody is able to, to draw and it kind of builds up a whole story. And that's another way to kind of build in that conversation after they draw a picture of them cooking and saying, Oh, tell me about that. Um, tell me what's going on in that picture. And maybe even possibly writing a story about that picture, um, and what they might want to do next. So, which is prediction. So another speech and language goal. Um, so I hope you found these helpful and, and you can contact me, um, on my website. It's www.gravitybread.com. My email is Becca, B-E-C-C-A at gravitybread.com. You can email me with any questions. I have tons of resources on my website. Um, and I hope these, these will help you with your speech and language sessions. Congrats, you just earned 30 minutes of CEUs approved by the Oregon State Board of Examiners. Wasn't that easy? To document your participation, please visit www.thehellofoundationschools.com slash CEU. You can also find the blog post for this and all of our episodes at www.thehellofoundationschools.com. This is the best way to get in touch with our guest with your questions and comments. And if you want updates about upcoming shows and opportunities to participate, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.